0: Ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for watching Weekend Showcase. Welcome back. This is a special standalone interview segment that is nonetheless still important because there has been some major inter- uh, information circulating throughout the internet about uh, Disney and their new Disney Plus show Loki that's been cir- that's been running for about four weeks now, and um, there's been some there's been a lot of fan content that's been circulating around as well. In light of the success of that show, that <sighs> unfortunately people were getting takedown notices. All over the place for putting their user-created content out that was inspired by the original Norse deity, Loki, not the Tom Hiddleston version that we've known since pretty much 2011. So basically, Disney's been throwing out takedown notices on content that's inspired by an idea old thousands of years older than itself, is basically the bottom line. So to help us understand this is an old friend of the show making her triumphant return. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> back to Weekend Showcase, Miss Lillian Kozravi. Lillian, can you still hear me?
1: Yes, yes, I can hear you.
0: Cool, cool. Despite right, uh, sure the weather situation. <laughs> what, what was that? Despite your weather situation. Yeah, weather situation. Um, yeah, I'm in the car right now because uh, there's like a little bit of Elsa's is kind of rampaging through my area. So like power is out at home. Uh, well, we do have power, but internet's out. So I have to like do some clever tethering in my phone near a cell tower, but we're going to make it work. The show must go on.
1: <laughs> um, oh, anyway,
0: anyway, back to Lillian. Um, she made a couple of appearances near the end of last season, uh, just in case you forgot. She was, uh, after graduating from Southwestern and then getting her MBA from Pepperdine, she became a member of the California State Bar in 2017 and has had her own practice since 2019, where she focuses on copyright and trademark law. So once again, Lillian, thanks so much for spending a little bit of time with us. Really appreciate it.
1: Of course, of course. Thanks for having me back.
0: Um, so diving back into the topic, we're going to go ahead and begin with an article that was put out by Daily Dot um, on what was this June 24. The headline is, they've decided to claim the deity is their IP. I mean, you really just can't get much simpler than that. Um, there's a section in the middle of this interview. Hang on a second. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Here we go. It talks about the Redbubble, a platform which allows artists to sell their work on stickers, T-shirts, coffee mugs, and other items. Sent an email to a Twitter user at your Boswell, letting them know that the design they had uploaded was being removed from the platform because it may contain material that violates someone's rights. And then it goes on to say the owner of these rights has provided us with guidance describing the type of content they consider infringing that should be removed from the marketplace, yada, yada. The rights holder in this case is indicated to be Disney Enterprises Incorporated. Dun, dun, dun. The empire. Yeah. <laughs> the art in question is green lettering that says, low key, the words low and then key, which is entitled low key, low key. Low key, low key, the Norse god, low key. And so Lillian, let me go ahead and throw this over to you really quickly. I mean, you're the best expert on copyright and trademark law that we know. What, what, what is your first take on this? Like how much of a like to stand on does Disney have to stand uh, just on, on a conceptual level?
1: So it's hard to say because uh, the mouse has a lot of influence in this world. And uh, you really don't wanna be on the radar. I mean, Disney is notorious for being extremely protective of intellectual property. And in, in some ways, they have reason to. I mean, they do get ripped off a lot. You walk into certain parts of town, there is a lot of unlicensed Disney merchandise that is for sale. And so they have to be pretty pretty intense. That said, they are also known for overreaching. And they do. They overreach all the time. So one of my initial thoughts though is because Disney has the, uh, the reputation that they have and they're known for being aggressive and litigious, I have to wonder also how many of these platforms are being perhaps a little overzealous, whether or not Disney itself is the one going through Redbubble and flagging anything or if Disney has gone to something like Redbubble and said anything with Loki in it, flag it. I mean, it. I don't necessarily know if Disney is trying to claim ownership necessarily of Norse mythology, but at the same time, a lot of these things are put together through algorithms, through computers. They could be looking for anything with the word Loki in the title of an item and anything that gets hit under the radar, or excuse me, gets on their radar essentially, could just be hit with the cease and desist. I mean, it's very unlikely that an attorney is sitting there looking through Redbubble, seeing the t-shirt low key and saying, aha, that is going to be infringement. However, I think because of the use of the word low key within the title, that could be something where it got flagged, even if it didn't necessarily get scrutinized.
0: So, I'm. I, I hear you, and like, it's it's. It really is so infuriating from a creative standpoint to know what you're up against every single time that you come in contact with the internet or an idea that you have that was inspired by something that's prior that has any sort of a prior existence. You're right; that is sort of the chance that you take. So, um, uh, especially when the source of the the initial inspiration source, obviously, is something. That Disney very much controls. You know, I mean, there's a there's a famous quote that's not in front of me. Uh, that's, it's not in front of me right now, but I'll find it and put it up on screen if I can track it down again. But uh, even Stan Lee himself was basically alluding to having borrowed Norse mythology to tell new stories from. Mm-hmm. So it, it's you know I'm I'm paraphrasing very liberally, you understand. But that's basically the gist of the quote. And so it to what end can others inspired by his work sort of continue on that tradition of sort of stepping gracefully carefully on top of prior work without disrespecting the legacy so to speak i mean mm-hmm. whether you're into like whether you're into the pagan mythology or not you know like we're not even talking about religion here we're mainly talking about just the idea of the the character that we know now in the modern context you know mm-hmm. and there's just so much to be able to uh, expand from there To the point where, in the interest of maintaining good public relations, there was actually an update to that story that was put out. Here we go. Redbubble's proactive screening measures take into consideration available information from rights holders on how to detect unauthorized content and designs uploaded to our marketplace. This is according to a statement from Redbubble directly to Newsweek. Quote, sometimes despite our efforts to avoid it, designs that should not have been removed mistakenly get flagged during the screening process. We always encourage our artist community to send us counter notices when they think we've gotten something wrong, so we can promptly fix it. End quote. So it looks like Redbubble has like uh, an infrastructure in place to sort of be a little bit more gentle than <laughs> than YouTube <laughs> with, with regard oh, to like copyright violations. Like they're sort of willing to hold creators' hands with regard to playing the rules properly and um and uh, and like appealing. But I guess my question to you now, Lillian, is like in the interest of especially commerce pages where like the creator stands to make a profit off of a pre-existing IP, you know, or at least that's how I can look, what, what should creators know? Like how can creators best protect themselves against takedown notices, especially in websites and areas where like the, the system may not be, may not have a system in place to help creators sort of like recover their standing. Okay.
1: So. There are a few different things that can be done. One thing I'd say is be very careful about how you name or the keywords that you use for your products. Uh, Especially if it's a situation, let's say Disney, they're known to be aggressive with takedown notices. Um, If you have a product, don't name it Mickey Mouse, or don't use the word Disney in your keywords. Don't use the word that would be very notable and that could be easily spit out in an algorithm in a computer as a takedown notice situation. So, I mean, kind of try to fly under the radar as far as uh, what you're titled. Now, I know it's kind of hard in the sense that you wanna name these things a certain way in order to get customers to find them. But if you wanna stay out of the radar of Disney, it's better to be a little bit more subtle about how you go about things. Also, uh, something else to bear in mind is what are you creating? Because there's one thing to do inspired by. It's another thing to really be a rip off of something. Uh, there's the law. I'm
0: sorry, go ahead.
1: Oh, I was gonna say like, for example, if you are creating cupcakes and you want to do a line inspired by Disney characters, you can use certain elements, certain colors, certain things that conjure up the image but they're still unique and they're yours versus if you create something that is the exact replica of a copyrighted character and you're trying to get money for it, then that's where you're kind of getting into a gray area
0: you know this reminds me of the interview that uh, I think this was your uh the first appearance that you had on on our show here where we were talking a lot about fair use um and I'm also reminded of that famous interview that uh, Vanilla Ice gave where he was accused of of ripping off that song um shoot um I don't remember what the what the original song was but for Ice Ice Baby Uh, Under Pressure? Yes thank you Under Pressure yeah and um and he was giving this interview where talking about how the beat is completely different and then he actually sings out the beats of both songs and you can hear it's very similar you were clearly ripping off this song and you're clearly making a profit you know mm. so like does does copyright law does the law actually draw a distinction i guess um, between created by and inspired by like are there certain like um, uh, is there a certain classification that it can sort of, like, be filed under if, like, an appeal process has to be done. You know, like, what, is is there something along those lines that people should know? Oh, sure.
1: I mean, there's things where you can imply something without being infringing. I mean, think about the difference between when you go to Disneyland, dressing up like a character versus Disney bounding, where you're wearing something completely different, but people get the general sense of what you're trying to be versus dressing up exactly like a character. Uh I think about that in terms of a product. Michael Mouse. Um, Totally different from Mickey Mouse. Let's say Snow (laughs) White. (laughs) No, that's the Chinese knockoffs, no. But say (laughs) um, Snow White, you think of the colors dark blue, you think of red, you think of apples, you think of yellow. Now, say you put together some kind of thing that uses a similar color scheme, maybe some of the elements, maybe an apple is part of the design, but it's not Snow White you don't have the image of Snow White on there. You don't have anything that would be necessarily the character except for the color scheme. Well, then that's totally fine because the color scheme isn't copyrighted. You're not using a copyrighted image, but people who are fans of Disney can look at that and think Snow White. I Same with a lot of the various Disney parentheses or just the characters. There's that color, the color, what's the word? Palette? Where are they associated?
0: Color association. Oh, color association. Okay. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so then what do you think is the over under? I mean, surely, and I don't mean to call you surely, uh, <laughs> like powerful enough to at least have thought of copywriting and like controlling a color. Like, what do you think of the odds that, like, I guess what I'm really asking in conclusion is like, where does this go? Like, what would surprise you next, like, along these lines?
1: You know what well, I mean?
0: Colors are not copyrightable, so
1: they can't copyright the colors, but they can certainly send a scary takedown notice. Uh, One thing that I can say as an intellectual property attorney hmm. is that cease and desist and takedown notices are 85% bluffs. Hmm. It's you send this notice because you want someone to take down something, and mm-hmm. sometimes they are actually an infringement. But litigation itself is extremely expensive. There's no guarantee mm-hmm. you're gonna win. Copyright is difficult to win. So mm. when you're sending these notices, you're really hoping to scare somebody into taking it down. But so by the her- Well,
0: I hear you, but like, okay, so you're saying that it's basically an intimidation game, but if you're the company sending the takedown notice, then presumably You will be doing that because you think you have enough balls in your court that nobody in their right mind, just based off of your reputation as the company, is going to try to challenge you, you know, to make you, like, put down all the money, right? So, like, you know, there's really not much to really be afraid of, at least from the company standpoint, is there? Like, other than, like, ooh, I might have to pay some legal fees, you know, to to take this person down, you know, and it's like, you know what I mean? Well, here's the thing. Sending out a cease and desist letter is a
1: whole lot cheaper than filing a lawsuit especially if you have to send out thousands of them and Mm. most people will take a look at a cease and desist letter and they'll either see a a lawyer's you know heading and footing and the letterhead essentially and they'll Mm. get scared because it's a letter from a lawyer or they'll Mm. see disney and think oh crap i don't want disney suing me Now the likelihood of Disney actually suing you, well, how much money are you actually making? Are you just kind of Mm -hmm. a little thing off on the side? Well, maybe if there's a class action suit and they sue a lot of people, you might get roped in. I mean, it's something where you don't, there's enough risk there that you should take it seriously, especially if it is from Disney. Mm -hmm. But if you're not actually infringing and you get a letter like that, oftentimes, you're not it's not going to be followed up or it's not going to turn into a lawsuit. Now don't take that as legal advice and ignore any cease and desist letters. If you get a cease and desist letter take it seriously but also think seriously about what have you created. Is it actually infringing because annoying as it is a lot of the time there is actual infringement and if you are a rights holder I mean Disney it's hard to feel sorry for them as they own half the world but if you are a small artist and you've put together something, maybe you've put together a comic series, and you went through and you copyrighted your characters, now fan art is one thing. It's flattering. It's nice to see fan art. But if somebody has created something based on your characters and is making money off of it and you aren't getting anything from it, I can see how that would be frustrating because yeah. they're just profiting off of something. You created without giving you anything hmm. yeah and then uh, a lot of times things, licensing is what how that would get solved
0: yeah and then there's another frustration that can happen where like you're 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 a creator you put something out for free and then like another creator winds up sort of like photoshopping out your watermark and then putting it out as their own thing for free also like they're not getting a profit but they're also not giving credit where it's due so like even mm-hmm. that can be a thing I imagine that's rubs people the wrong way I guess exactly
1: but especially when there's money involved if somebody is making a profit because there's one thing I mean I don't know how expansive the low-key thing was going on but I'm sure that there is an abundance of fan art out there Mm -hmm. all varieties and all kinds and all levels and I don't know if Disney necessarily went after the fan art I know there's a lot of Disney fan art in general
0: well if Newsweek is to be believed they did not but that's <laughs> well <laughs> were, oh, who knows Disney says they totally. didn't yeah they say they didn't their spokesperson their PR uh press release said they didn't but anyway, anyway.
1: <laughs> so, I mean it's kind of that question then of like if it's just fan art then it might not be something that is asked to be taken down but if it's something someone is profiting from,
0: right, that's absolutely. when
1: there are grounds for, for copyright infringement. Because that's when it goes from just being a fair use, you know, you, you create something
0: and it becomes you're profiting off of something that's not yours. Okay, so I guess the bottom line, the, the takeaway from this conversation, I guess, can be make sure you have your search tags set up properly with as few distinctive infringing keywords and references as possible. Um, and I guess, do a lot of like direct linking to stuff in order to help your stuff get seen by people because keywords cannot really be trusted. They're too easily flaggable and you could get a takedown notice. Mm-hmm. Basically, if we, that's basically the- I minutes. mean,
1: one thing I kind of, yeah, the other thing I feel inclined to say as an intellectual property attorney is, don't, don't infringe on other people's IP. You can appreciate something. You can create your own thing. You can find cute and creative ways to create something very unique to you. But at the same time, be cognizant of other people's intellectual property rights and be careful. I mean-
0: Definitely gotta be aware. You
1: can get into a lot of trouble. You don't wanna get into trouble.
0: Wise words, wise words. And
1: here's, you know, and of course it's the difference between if you're making really cool uh, Norse god Loki flagons or you know tankards or something keep doing it the Norse god Loki is in the public domain make all the cool Loki Norse stuff you want to do but if you're making <laughs> something that's Tom Hiddleston's Loki from the Marvel movies owned by Disney realize yeah. you're putting yourself in a liable position and if Disney wants to go after you they can make your life pretty miserable
0: yeah Definitely, so definitely. it's just it that yours?
1: fine balance between it. And, and yeah. hey, if you want to make cool Loki stuff for your friends and family and not sell it, go for it. Make all the cool Loki stuff you want. Just don't sell it. Otherwise, you can put yourself in a bad situation.
0: Definitely, definitely. Um, well, a fine you so line much between
1: to- being a fan and appreciating something versus uh, putting yourself into a liable position.
0: Let me see. I guess it's a thin line between Loki and hate. I don't know how else to do the I, I don't. I'm you, trying to, you know where I'm going. I'm trying to like make that reference work, but I couldn't think of another
1: uh,
0: uh, Loki and Heimdall. No, that doesn't work. Um, uh, crud. There's probably somebody in the comments section that'll probably correct me on that. Like, you know, some some internet comedian's gonna come up with something. Anyway, um, we got to go ahead and let you go. But <laughs> once again, thank okay. you so much for your time and insight here. We really appreciate it. Um, and, uh, do you have anything, um, to, uh, promote? Like how do people no get, a, get in touch with your, uh, your practice if people need to ask you quite other questions stuff? So.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. If anybody is interested in getting intellectual property or has gotten a takedown notice and wants to know more about it, or if, you know, you've noticed some of your stuff's getting infringed upon, or if you even just want to learn a little bit more about IP, uh, you can go ahead and find us on our website, uh, kosravilaw.com. Or you can go ahead and reach out. The email is lillian at costravilaw.com. And uh, I love intellectual property. I think it's fascinating. Love to talk about it. So feel free to reach out.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much again, Lillian. Have a great weekend. Uh, And thanks to you at home for watching. Uh, This concludes this episode of Showcase. Be safe out there. Stay cool. Um, And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.